Welcome along my aspiring allies and thank you for joining me on this latest episode of the Speaking of Inclusion podcast. This is the podcast where we explore the challenging topics of inclusion and we get confident with putting our foot in it. Now today I am delighted to bring you an episode recorded with Anna Wills of Communigage Limited and Anna is a corporate storyteller and we are going to be exploring the power of branding when it comes to creating an inclusive environment. Now, I know what you're thinking, branding isn't necessarily at the top of the list when it comes to thinking about inclusion. But as we listen to Anna, it is really worth thinking about how is it that you, um, whether you are a larger organisation with bigger teams or if you're just a small solo worker thinking about how are you connecting with your clients and your audience, how are you using your branding and the way that you position yourself to really showcase and demonstrate the inclusive environments that you are creating for the people that you want to work for and with. So you know the drill, sit back, get comfortable in whichever way works for you and let's explore the power of branding with Anna Wills. Welcome along my aspiring allies and thank you for joining me today on the Speaking of Inclusion podcast. Today I am joined by Anna Wills and Anna is a corporate storyteller and she helps businesses to capture and share their unique magic ingredients. So whether it's around potential hires in the form of employer brand and employer value proposition, existing teams in the form of internal comms and events or external partners and customers, Anna can combine communication, engagement and a little sprinkling of fairy dust to make your stories come to life. So please join me in giving a really warm welcome to Anna Wills. Hello. Hello, Anna. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, now, I've done like a little bit of a, an overview of introduction there for you. But what I would really love it is if you could explain to everybody listening, what does that mean? Who is Anna and, and what is it that we're going to be talking about today? <laughs> That's a very, very good question. And why is there so much fairy dust? Um, exactly. Yeah, this is the yeah. bit that we all want to know about, right? Yeah. Why is she talking about that nonsense? Um, so yeah, basically, I have done loads of different jobs in my time in in the sort of corporate world, um, mainly around recruitment and engagement and uh, staff well-being and internal comms and things like that. But actually, my corporate career was my second career uh, because I actually spent ten years in the entertainment industry before um, before kind of jumping over to. And earn a proper living, as my mother would say. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I worked in the theatre. I not as a, not as a dancer or a singer or anything like that, but I was a, a stage manager and a, and a production manager um, for years. And I worked on tours and I worked in loads of different venues. Um, and it it really kind of um, it, because that was my first career, it it opened my eyes to the world of work, but also to the world of um, really. Uh, making people feel emotions, getting people wrapped up in storytelling, uh, getting people, you know, taking somebody on a journey, really transporting them from their everyday life to this magical place, this play they've come to see or this musical or, or whatever. Um, and I, it kind of really stuck with me. So everything that I've done subsequently in my, in my new kind of corporate career, I've always got that at the back of my mind, that storytelling piece and about how if you can really connect with somebody on a on a really deep level, you can you can really kind of bring them along on the journey. That's a really kind of cliche phrase, but uh, but it's true. Um, and the the fairy dust, I suppose, comes from partly from that, from the kind of magic of theatre and everything, but also from 
my kind of idea for my my company name, which is as you mentioned, is Communigage, um, because I'm a, a a big Disney fan, always have been, and uh, Disney have a, a a section of their business called Imagineering. I don't know if you've heard of it, but oh. um, it, yeah. So Di- Walt Disney Imagineering, uh, they're basically in charge of all of the stuff that is to do with experiences. So they do the shows, they do the theme parks all that kind of stuff. And obviously Imagineering is imagination and engineering combined. Uh, and the very first Imagineers uh, were a real kind of hotpot bunch of different people. There were sort of architects and um, uh, designers and some animators and stuff that Walt kind of threw together these really disparate skill sets and went, I need something magical. And and he kind of saw that that uh, new way of doing things of just putting unconnected skill sets together to make something really cool. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do with Communigage. So I've got the HR background, I've got the recruitment background, the executive search, I've got internal comms, I've got kind of content creation and social media and all that kind of stuff with this kind of experience creation from my from my first career in the theatre um, that I, I really hope can bring bring people's kind of corporate stories really to life and, and, um, and communicate what needs to be what needs to be shared that's so cool as you were explaining that my mind went to like this huge venn diagram of all these overlapping circles and all these different (laughs) skills that you're bringing together and there you are slap in the middle going hey guys look at all of this we can have this little sweet spot in the middle and we can do something magical yeah and here's my fairy wand (laughs) and here's your fairy wand yeah excellent oh wicked um and i wonder as well it's probably worth kind of explaining to to the people listening that the the reason that we met because we met quite recently didn't we through yep. um a local hr network called cake and hr so um shout out there for cake and hr in cambridge if anyone's local and wants to to know about that i can drop a link in the show notes um but we met and you came along to deliver a session around corporate branding as is your bag um and for me it was such a standout session and i found it so fascinating the way that you were talking about leveraging emotions and connecting with people and and I felt this absolute direct correlation between the way you were encouraging your corporate clients to weave in storytelling and emotion to connect human to human yeah. internally and externally with their within their businesses. So tell tell me a little bit about kind of that that branding workshop and how you came up with all of that. Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, Cake and HR, big shout out to them. Particularly good cake, I have to say. Um, I I knew some of the people kind of involved in that, uh, and when I when I set up Communigage, they were sort of saying, you know, would you would you like to come along and do a talk? And I did. Said yes, that would be lovely, and I'd very much like to eat the cake. Thank you very much. Um, but I really left it up to up to the organisers to what they thought the the crowd would want to hear about. And employer brand was something that came up, you know, over and over again because it's one of those terms that people hear about or they talk about. But I think there's there's quite a lot of, in my experience anyway there's quite a few people who kind of sweep it under the carpet and go we know we're supposed to do that and we're supposed to do it well but we don't really or we haven't got time or you know the HR team is already far too stretched to even think about it or potentially it's a that's a small startup or a scale up that hasn't even got you know haven't even really thought about it yet um so I thought oh this is interesting that you know this this area wants to hear about employer brand um so I came along to the session before mine uh, and sort of asked the group if they had any particular interests that they wanted to talk about in the session. Uh, and there were some really sort of common themes that were coming up, like, you know, what happens if you've got lots of different locations? You you know, you want one employer brand that's going across global locations. Um, what happens if you're 
um, your employer brand and your consumer brand are really, really different. You know, what you sell is absolutely nothing aligned with the kind of people that you need, that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, I sort of went away and digested what everybody wanted to know, put that um, presentation together with some examples to sort of show how other companies have done it. Um, but mainly just to get everybody thinking about their own brand and their own, uh, you know, employer value proposition, of course, which plays in very much to your to your employer brand. Um, and I, I, yeah, I thought it, I think it went well. There were some really interesting conversations afterwards. Um, so yeah, that's how that all happened. Yeah, and including the conversation with me, which I think you found was incredibly interesting. Oh, it was the best part of the night. Be <laughs> of course, that and the cake. Um, and that and the cake, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, and I completely agree because I mean it was it was a really good session, and I and I again I loved how you kind of brought really practical examples of different brands who were using their branding to really portray who they were, like what they believed in, what they stood for, and how they connected with people, I guess internally and externally to their business, and and I just found it really fascinating, and I wonder if maybe for our for our listeners we could just break down a little bit like how you went about explaining that so that they can understand the role that their own branding um and actually if i even think about it's not just for corporates is it because i think i know a lot of um coaches listen to this as well so maybe self-employed coaching people so then actually how can they understand as well for themselves the role of how they're connecting with their brand and what that might say about them to who it is that they're trying to attract as well so so if we think like from an external branding perspective first yeah, yeah. Like what how would you explain that to someone like a, an out of facing sort of consumer brand so yeah there's lots of different terms that get crossed over i think so a brand really is is how your your company or your entity or whatever communicates who it is you know what it does uh and it, and it becomes that kind of instantly recognizable thing so it might it could might be the you know logos the color schemes the tone of voice um, all that kind of stuff is 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 your brand, um, and then that is is used to convey your value proposition, which is basically you know what does the the end consumer get from this thing that you're selling, this service or this product, um, and it can you can also use it to convey USP, so unique selling points, um, which is slightly different from your value proposition, obviously, because your value proposition is what the end consumer gets, your USP is what makes you different from other people offering a similar or the same um, service or product. Um, and then you've got branding and branding is obviously using your brand on things, you know, branded clothing or a standard of trade show or something like that. And then marketing as well, which is uh, obviously kind of use it, uses that brand to, to get the message out there in the world to your potential customers or, or whatever so in a kind of normal in a consumer brand situation that's kind of how it works but you've got all of those things for your employer brand as well so that's when you kind of have to particularly for a sort of an hr team or an internal comms team they need to see the business as having two identities they've got that outward facing thing that marketing are doing and probably the sales team are on the back of and all of that but then there's this other brand uh, and it might be really similar it could be you know, if it's a, I don't know, a, something like a, a, a sports center or something like that, or a health and fitness center, and they're trying to employ yoga instructors, there's going to be loads of crossover there because they're kind of in the same field and, you know, the same, the same emotions, the same feelings are going to come up. 
Um, but it can be really, really different. It can be the, the employer brand can be completely different in look and feel from the consumer brand. But you still want to have those uh, those kind of through the, the threads that run through that keep them aligned and, and joined up. So they're not so separate that people don't sort of realize who it is they're working for. That wouldn't do you any favors at all. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, it's a challenge and it, and it really boils down to having a clear understanding of who you need in your teams. Um, you know, it, it comes down to that sort of planning about um, where is your business going? Where does your workforce need to be at in order to get the business to that point? And who do we need? And then where are those people and how do we attract those people? You know, where are they? Where are they looking? Where are they hanging out? What is, you know, what's going to appeal to them? Um, and then making sure that that's conveyed in in the right way. Um, and I think I'm just oh, sorry, I'm waffling on a bit here, but there's a there's another oh, carry on. There's a really key point here where, and I think this is sometimes where people have gone wrong in the past. It's super important that your outsides match your insides, and that's something that I find myself saying a lot because it's really tempting to say, oh, we need to employ these amazing people and we're going to say outwardly that we offer this and we offer that and we're really inclusive this and we're in a great place to work. Da, 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 da. But unless that's really true, those people are not going to stick around and you're just making the rug for your own back because you're going to go through a whole recruitment process with all the associated costs in terms of time and morale and all that kind of stuff that going through the recruitment process um, brings with it. And you're just going to end up with a misfire because they're, they're not going to be aligned. If your brand, if your employer brand is is really accurate and clear about what it's trying to say, and it's mirrored, truthfully mirrored within the organization and demonstrated throughout the organization, and that can be done, you know, through your leadership and your internal comms and all that kind of stuff, um, then, then it's going to be brilliant. And you're going to have people all sort of, aligning themselves with your employer brand before there's even a role for them you know that's the ideal is that you've got people saying i want to be part of this business i i know what it's about you know i've seen it i've heard it i've seen people talking about it you know they'll send you a cv and say i know you haven't got a role for me yet but you know when there is one can you let me know i mean that's that's the that's the dream so um but yeah that can... is the talent pipeline dream for a lot of that absolutely people. is yeah yeah. And then, yeah, it's the achieving that that is the, is the challenge. And I just I just love what you're saying there. And I kind of just to to kind of recap, because I think there was so much good stuff that you've gone. Yeah, sorry, I do tend to do that. No, no, no. It's great. It's really great. And so because guess what I'm hearing there is around like if the value proposition um, externally is kind of this is the thing that we're going to going to sell the service or the product. And then the unique selling point is that, well, this is why you should come to us for this particular thing. And then the branding is how are you going to know it's ours? Yeah. And then the marketing is how are we going to connect you with it? Like how are yeah. we going to get it in front of you? Yeah. And then making sure so then the outsides match the insides. So even if the colors you use internally or something look a bit different, but it's still knowing like why is it that, you know, the value proposition is why is it you want to be here with us or you know why why you want to come and work for our company that i guess that's the value proposition and the unique selling point isn't it mixed up maybe. yeah so so your value proposition is going to be what's in it for you as, right. as the employee so like what do you get you come and work here, what do you get so it's going to be salary it's going to be benefits packages it's going to be work for, it's going to be the culture it's going to be the 
the style, you know, the space that they work in, um, flexibility, all that kind of stuff yeah. is kind of what's in it for you as the person. And then the USP is going to be why is that different from everybody else that does a similar thing to yeah. what we do. Um, I mean, that that in itself is a, is a challenge, particularly if you're in the sort of um, compensation and benefits arena of trying to make sure that what your company is offering is, you know, better than the competition or at least at least in line with the competition. And of course, uh, in and around Cambridge, where there are so many startups and scale ups that just haven't got that kind of cash to put behind really amazing packages. That's where you can be really clever and, and, and work on those the sort of magical fairy dust things that, you know, yes, OK, we can't offer salaries as big as some of these massive players. But what we have that's special is this. And this is why you want to be here. And it's it's kind of identifying that secret ingredient and then, you know, making sure that it's shared in the right way with the right people. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Thank you for, for kind of clarifying that. And, and then I guess to build on that, it then makes sense, doesn't it, that any organisation that is going to want to put time and attention into understanding these things, they have to do that kind of internal who are we as a business and um, we have to know who we are, what we stand for, what our what our values within this organization are, so that we can have that, you know, portray that unique selling point and, and really be clear about this is what we say we stand for. And then again, that matches up to your the outsides have to match the insides. So we say this is what we stand for. And yeah. it's not like when I go into organizations and they've got beautiful values on posters on the walls and it's lovely and all the time to the branding that they've gone into making it all look lovely. And then you speak to people that work there and they're miserable and yeah. it doesn't, it just doesn't work. So it's about, yeah, really understanding who are we and then connecting that with, and yeah. this is why we're doing this and this feels real. Absolutely. You can't, it, in my experience, I was going to say you never can, but maybe, maybe it's possible, but I've never known an employer brand work if it's been decided upon by somebody at the top. You know, if somebody at the top says, this is the brand I want us to have, chances are, you know, it's not going to, you can, you can certainly make some shifts towards that if you can kind of look at what you already have as your employer brand, what it really is like to work there, how your people feel, all that kind of stuff, which again comes into that internal communication piece and really working closely with your HR team. Um, and if, if you can kind of see that you, you want to just nudge that slightly, in a, in a direction then that's an exercise that you can go through but to sort of just start with a blank piece of paper and say this is what I want our employer brand to be no it's 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 more about as you say doing a kind of inward looking piece working with your teams workshopping stuff um you know finding out who you are and then being really proud to, to share that mm. yeah and I, I can imagine as well that like you say, especially when there's a competitive environment. And again, to if we you know we are based in Cambridge, so we use that locality as a an example. You're right, there are so many well-established, big techie pharma companies in this area that actually it can be really difficult to compete in certain playing fields and, and having those authentic kind of human moments that you can really showcase and say, this is who we are. And yeah. this is why people want to work for us. And if this resonates with you, this is the place you want to be. Yeah. That's really strong, isn't it? It is really strong. And I think I think a lot of people uh, can fall into the can fall into that uh, trap of thinking that everybody thinks the same or everybody feels the same way as you do about something. So, I mean, I've had 
I've had clients talk to me and say, oh, well, no one's ever going to work here because we just can't pay the big salaries. But that's assuming everybody only cares about the salary. And yeah. of course, there are so many, you know, more variations of person than you can even think of. And there will be people out there for whom your secret ingredient really, really resonates. And they're the people that you want to attract. And they're not going to know that unless you're sharing that. Um, mm. And then and then demonstrating it, you know, through everything that you do within the company as well. It's, it's much more than just slapping a brand on a, on a job advert. It's... Yeah really living and breathing who you are and, and who you want to be absolutely what what I was kind of thinking as you were saying it's like yeah there's no good is there just being the best kept secret as, <laughs> yeah, as far exactly. as the deploy like that doesn't serve anybody it's about yeah connect with who you are and then shout about it shout yeah. about it to everybody internally so that everybody can be excited about working there and yeah. shout about it externally and actually yeah. I can imagine is and would I be right in assuming there's some power that if you can connect with the internal piece, the people within your business are going to shout about you externally as oh, well, which massively. totally helps the marketing piece, right? Massively, massively. Yeah, you, there's there's kind of no greater, um, you know, testimonial for your business than your own people voluntarily shouting about how great it is there. Um, you know, and and some of some of the um, some of the big kind of campaigns, uh, employer branding campaigns have really utilized that, you know, so if you look at some of the big, the really famous ones where they've got their own staff involved in TV ads and, you know, stuff like that, but it's fantastic if, if your people are prepared to kind of put their money where their mouth is and say, oh, this is really great. Um, and obviously you can look at your own kind of net promoter score uh, in-house in and, and sort of see how that feels. Would people recommend you, you know, to, are, are your people taking to glass door to say nice things or nasty things? You know, glass door now is such a strong tool. Um, and that is, it's something I would say, if you haven't claimed your business's glass door page, you know, you, you might want to look into that because it only takes two or three people to leave a review and suddenly you've got a page there and people will find it and people will be writing reviews. So, um, so yeah, if, you, if you've got but happy people. Just on glass door. Yeah. Would would it be fair to say, because in my experience, people only tend to make reviews on Glassdoor when things have gone wrong? Well, I was just going to say, if you've yeah. got happy people, you want to be asking them to share it on Glassdoor. Um, you know, if you do an MPS internally or, or a great place to work survey or something like that, whatever your particular HR team likes to do, if you're getting really good results. Definitely ask your people, would you mind? you know, popping on glass door and leaving us a review if that's how they genuinely feel. You know, if, if you if you get a, a plumber comes and does a good job in your house and say, would you mind leaving me a review? You don't you don't mind doing it, do you? Because that's how you genuinely feel. Um, so, yeah, it's a really good it's a really good thing to do. And actually, that's there's, a, there's another really key opportunity where you can um, make it part of a process. I'm, I'm going off piece here a little bit, but um, when you're if you're looking at your recruitment process, right through from you know that kind of initial attraction through the brand right through the process through the candidate experience and then the onboarding and the induction and all of that is really joined up really seamless really on brand with your employer branding and messaging when you get to the end of that journey whether it's the end of an induction process or possibly even the end of a, a probation period that's a point where you can take time to sit down with your your new staff member and talk to them about that whole process how has it been and would you mind popping us a review on Glassdoor? Because they'll have gone through all of that process and they can, and actually on Glassdoor now, you can you can just review a recruitment process. There's like a, an interview tab, there's a salary tab, there's all sorts of different things. And if you just make it part of what you do to kind of elicit that feedback at that point, 
um, you're going to start building up a really nice bank of, of what people think. And also, obviously, if the feedback isn't great and they and there's things for you to tweak, fantastic. Let's go tweak. Let's go make it the best it can be. Exactly right, because feedback is well, feedback is gold. You know, if, yeah. if we're doing something, regardless of whether it's kind of good, bad or indifferent, yeah. we should be able to accept and understand that. And kind of even if it isn't amazing, OK, what is it that didn't make it amazing and how do we? How do we correct that? And if it was amazing, what was it that made it so amazing? And how do we do more of it? Absolutely. And would that be amazing for everybody? Or is it only amazing in this specific circumstance? Yeah. And that crosses over massively with what you do as well. Because, you know, it, having said, there's so many different, you know, horses for courses, different people that are going to resonate with different things. You know, don't assume that every single person who comes through your recruitment process is going to have the same experience because everybody is coming from a different place, a different background, yeah. different playing field. And it's, it is really key in that kind of, you know, inclusion and, and equity space mm. that you're not, you're not, as, you, as you're, you're famous to say, not putting your foot in it, you know, put it in your mouth. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's make it an it. assumption. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I was just wondering when you were saying that about actually getting people to review on Glassdoor you know at the point that they maybe been offered a job or completed probation which I think is a great idea but actually if you have got that seamless kind of branding piece we say what we do and we do it and we make you feel our brand all the way through this process then actually even if someone hasn't been successful in securing a job they might possibly still leave you a good review on Glassdoor and and I and I say that as an example because I went for an interview with a company many years ago now and the recruitment process was amazing like it, everybody was really lovely. I was kept well informed. Every stage of the process, um, it was really engaging, and I actually had a really nice time. Didn't get offered the job. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind. You know, I yeah. kind of, I felt, I felt like, oh, I, I gave my best. They gave my best. They gave their best. Yeah. And and it was actually really nice to think, okay, I'm just not right for this position. And it and it didn't feel personal. It felt that you know it, it just naturally kind of like no this isn't the right job for me that's fine I can I, I can accept that exactly. and yeah. I speak positively about them because of that process you're absolutely right it's something um I've run some uh, some trainings actually for hiring managers so not necessarily recruiters but the, the managers who are touched by a recruitment process because they have to interview or they might have to look over CVs and stuff um and I cannot hammer home hard enough the point about the candidate experience and the fact that, yeah, you know, at, at the end of a recruitment process, you're going to say yes to one person and you're going to say no thank you to, what, 30 or, you know, maybe even more if you're a much bigger company. Um, you want the people that you say no to to go away being as happy and as bought into your company as the person you said yes to. Um, and another a, a little tip that I, I give to, to hiring managers or anybody involved in the recruitment process is to give the candidate something that they can take away from the experience. So if it's if it's the situation that, you know, there's a skills gap or uh, or something, you, you could say you could have a look at this training or here, here's a here's a good book. Here's a good podcast to listen to. Here, you know, if you've identified something that's actually going to help that person to grow so that maybe next time they go for a role, there isn't that skills gap how could anybody not be happy with that situation you know it's it, it really it makes it, it makes a massive difference and there are some quite worrying stats actually about how how much of an impact on your consumer performance poor recruitment and poor onboarding and stuff can can actually have if somebody can have a really poor interview experience with you it's not only going to 
you know, turn them off wanting to apply for a role with you again, but it can switch them off even wanting the services. And there's, there's some, you know, if you look on look online, there's uh, reports on this all the time about how how much your employer brand and employer processes can actually impact the, the sales, the bottom line of the company as a whole. So yes, it's, it's very important. And that makes complete sense as well, doesn't it? Because if you think about like customer experience, you know, yeah. if we have a really bad experience in, in a retail shop, like we're going to tell everybody that that's a crappy retail shop. Yeah. So the same, it, it, it makes sense. We'd do the same with an employer, wouldn't it? Like I've had yeah. a really crappy experience. So I'm going to tell everybody like, no, I wouldn't recommend applying for that job. They were rubbish. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it was interesting as well. I was thinking um, when you, what you were saying there about feedback and actually that is a that's a really difficult thing for people to do because I know that when I worked in in HR we used to kind of go through like you said there's so many candidates that you have to sift through and you do have to give people feedback on why they haven't been successful and you should have to be able to come up with a reason you know it should yes. be here is your you know here's a skills gap that maybe you don't have that another candidate does or maybe none of the candidates you know have a particular area of capability in what it is you're trying to do and being able to convey that specifically because yeah. the amount of times I had feedback from where people saying yeah they just didn't feel like a good fit they just didn't feel like they were right for the culture and you're yeah. like what does that mean like qu yeah. quantify that so that we yeah. can give this person something useful yes. because otherwise what are we saying yeah like, and if it, and if it really is the case that you know that they're perfect in every way, but it's just the timing's not right or whatever, keep in touch with them. Yeah. You know, just go back and be honest. Say, "Oh, really sorry, you've just been pipped to the post by this other person, but we really loved you. If another opportunity comes up, can we get in touch with you? You know, as long as you're obviously within all the GDPR constraints course, and yeah. around personal data." But, um, but yeah, you know, there's there's nothing to stop you from building that relationship in other ways. Um, if you if you're meeting really great candidates. Um, you said something then that made me think about wanting to say something and I've forgotten what it was. I'm sure it'll come back to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll we'll wait for that one to circle Loop back. back around. It will. It'll come back around, no doubt. Um, and I was just thinking, because we're talking quite a lot about kind of through a more corporate lens, but I was thinking actually when it comes to connection and branding, if I think back again to the, the coaches that might be listening to this um, mm. or, or kind of self-employed people, actually the same can be true for engaging with your clients and asking for testimonials as well at, at certain points and making sure that when you know that your clients are talking about your brand that's yeah. going to help you attract similar clients who want yeah. to achieve the results that they've achieved so it's still got that theme hasn't it absolutely yeah absolutely um i mean testimonials are very very powerful if you can get video testimonials even better because that gives you nice content for your socials as well um, you know, just grab your phone, stick it in the face. Can you tell me how wonderful I am? That sort of thing. Um, when we now that we're all carrying mini computers around in our pockets, it's dead easy, isn't it, to do all this stuff um, on the fly? But yeah, testimonials are really powerful. Um, recommendations on LinkedIn are nice because uh, it, it sort of links through to that person's profile as well. Um, you know, it's all right if you've got a website and you're just sort of typing them out on the website it's lovely but if you can get it on LinkedIn and it kind of crosses back as well that, that's really nice but yeah I think I mean I, I know people who write that into their terms that, that you have to have a testimonial um you know even if it's one that, Gosh, that's that bold I know yeah absolutely I expect a testimonial at the end of this piece of work but you might not like what I've got to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah well maybe we'll accomplish that one but um but yeah it's um it, it's it's really key um and I think everybody's got such a different take on things 
uh, and, and every client that you work with is going to get something different out of what you offer. So it might feel a bit, it might feel a bit sort of icky to say, oh, what do I just want loads and loads and loads of people saying, nursing is really good, nursing isn't it? But th there'll be something that stands out to a client that you haven't even realized is the standout thing. Um, you know, the, uh, somebody I was working with the other day was sort of saying, oh, I, I really love the way that I can just talk rubbish at you and you get it. You understand what I mean? Um, because he said, you know, I find it really difficult to communicate certain things to, to people and they just they don't know what I mean, but you do, you get it. And I thought, oh, that's great. You know, can I have that on a T-shirt, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but it's that, that's so true, though, isn't it? Because if I think, again, like, you know, especially nowadays, right, you can't move for a coach, a networking yeah. event or on LinkedIn or anyway, everyone's a flipping coach. And that's great because actually for every person, there is another person who would be a great coach for them. And and we often have conversations around like coaching isn't competition. You know, mm. we, we kind of we're, we're more likely to connect and collaborate than we are to see each other as competition because we just understand we can't all be right for everybody. And there will be that thing that aligns with another person, you know, and I guess it's maybe not necessarily branding in such a conscious way, but mm. it is our personal brand. It's our authenticity, right? That's our personal yeah. brand. Yeah. And, and how are we conveying that? yeah absolutely yeah yeah interesting and then and then to kind of to, to bring it back about um a bit back onto the kind of the inclusion piece um because mm. again i was wondering have you, you got any kind of examples of brands who might be using um their brand well to kind of promote not only their own evps but also inclusion through branding yeah absolutely um it's something that comes up a lot that you can you can kind of sort of kill two two birds with one stone uh in in a, in a lot of ways and it, you can I've, I've also seen it i've also seen it sadly go sort of the other way I, I remember being asked for by a client to come and do a kind of audit on um they, they were they were really struggling to hire uh females into specific teams it wasn't across the business it was just specific teams they said well, you know we never have any women apply for these roles we don't know why um and of course when you when you're looking at um, specific roles in the marketplace there are some situations such as HR and marketing where they are very heavily female dominated and there are others that are very male dominated so all you can ever expect you know the best you can expect to do is to have your business mirror what the marketplace looks like if you go too far the other way then you're falling into that sort of positive discrimination which is you know equally uh, dodgy dodgy ground um, but there was no real reason why these particular teams were not attracting females. So when I went in to look at it, um, I kind of looked around the space and I looked on the website and it was that sort of classic thing that every testimonial, every bit, of, it was it was nice what they had was people talking about being part of the business and why they love it, but they were all middle-aged white men. Every photograph was middle-aged white men. Um, and that's presumably because that's what that team looks like. But that it was, you know, when when you've got young females looking at this website, they don't see themselves reflected in that brand piece. So again, the knee jerk reaction is, oh, well, let's just go and get loads of stock images of no, and, but, you know, and you're just like, no, 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 that's not right either. You know, there's, there's a bit more nuance than that. Um, but yes, you can you can absolutely show how diverse your teams are. You can show, um, you know, in terms of age, in terms of 
gender equality and all you know anything that you want to showcase if you're proud of it in your business and you're looking and again as an hr team if you're looking at your metrics and you're looking at um demographics across the business across the teams why not be shouting about it i think you know it's it's a really an easy win really yeah, totally. And actually, every, the example you just gave there is that perfect example, isn't it, of like the outsides matching the insides. Like when someone when someone reaches for a stock photo, or or you see it, don't you? That when it, you know, there is maybe one black woman employed in a team, and she's on every picture. Everything. Yes, yeah. And you just think we see this, yes. we see this, yeah. and anybody who who I guess has has ever come from any kind of marginalized background sees through that in a heartbeat and that can be more destructive for your brand I think than just if you are a sea of middle-aged white men owning that and saying we recognize this is who we are and how we look and we really want to change it and let's look at the barriers to participation let's yeah yeah and let's talk about that openly yes no you're absolutely right it's it's um you you don't do any you don't do any harm by acknowledging that it's not as you want it to be do you know what i mean i think sometimes people get a bit a bit uptight oh god we can't you know if we if we if we acknowledge that we know that that's how it is does that look bad it's like well no because you're actively trying to make that better you know sweeping it under the carpet and pretending you and everybody in your team already knows that yeah exactly they're part of it they see it they look around themselves they're like they feel it so you yeah. just call it out, call it for what yeah. it is and own Absolutely. it. Yeah, totally. Oh, I, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And then, so when it comes, if we just take a little shift then to say maybe internal comms. Yeah. So how, how can that be a tool for kind of, you know, promoting inclusion? How can people start to think about maybe using internal comms a little bit to help connecting with employees or to help understanding what people might be thinking? That's a, that's a really broad question i could go i could talk well, a long time on pick, that so i won't pick a, <laughs> take a, take a, take a few couple. bits <laughs> what are your best bits i think um so one thing is is kind of to just piggyback on what we've already talked about about how everybody is very very different and how what appeals to one person is not necessarily going to appeal to everyone um so with your internal comms you want to be sharing a really good spectrum of what's going on um Yes, lots of people will want to know about the kind of performance metrics of the business, but some really won't. Some will be more interested that, you know, somebody's gone on a sabbatical to, you know, Hawaii or whatever. That'll be much more interesting to some people. Um, so you kind of really want to make sure that you're you're talking about all the different facets of your business, um, not just performance and, and, and that kind of thing, but the seeing your people as real people, as whole people with families and lives and, and hobbies and, and things going on. So I think in terms of what you're sharing, keep it keep it broad and also how you share it. Because not only have you got to think about sort of different people's learning styles, like some people might prefer to sit and read a printed document. Um, others might prefer video content because they want to watch it. Others might prefer a podcast like this. They can listen to it in the car. Um, so make sure that you're offering different ways that people can access that information. Um, and also then look at your accessibility things. Have you got staff using screen readers that, you know, you need to put something in a format that is going to work on a screen reader or, um, you know, I don't know, lots of, there's just lots of different ways. So it's breadth of what you're talking about, 
the media that you're using to talk about it and then the technology that you're using as well all those different things can can really contribute that's that's actually genius so kind of the breadth the breadth the media you're using and then what was the last one the technology technology that you're you're actually so that so you, you might have chosen to do it as a video but then have your people got something to watch a video on? Have you got decent enough connection speed? But, you know, it's, it's like it's thinking about what you're talking about, how people can absorb that information and then making sure that they actually have the tools that they need it, based on their individual needs to uh, to assimilate that information. Yeah, Ooh, that's a long word. <laughs> yeah, good, 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 good. And I'm not usually a fan of the word assimilate on here because assimilate is is the opposite of inclusion in some regards. Well, there you people, go, yes. People try and True. force themselves into a box rather than feel included. But in this context, we're absolutely <laughs> taking it away because that's that's exactly it, isn't it? And and actually, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm, my mind's kind of whirring a little bit on that. I'm like, that's so important, when especially when we think about accessibility. And I'm wondering then around, just on a branding question as well, because mm-hmm. um, I know in speaking to, so I, I did a, um, a podcast episode with Shezzy Kennedy quite a number of months ago. It's available on the podcast. And they were talking about um, that kind of colour contrast as well mm-hmm. and, and, and the ease of accessing information depending on the contrast of colours. And that might be something for people to consider about with their, their physical technical branding you're absolutely right and it, it that you can get into a real minefield there because of course you have people with sort of color blindness and stuff who who perceive colors differently as well um but yes absolutely i think now nowadays when you, a lot of the technologies now for for sharing stuff will give you that um sort of i forget what it's called now i'm gonna sound really stupid optimization so you can kind of optimize for mobile or tablet or whatever um and there's often settings there that you can kind of reverse and have the negative colors or, or whatever to kind of make sure that, that people can set it up in a way that works for their eyes and their brain. Um, so that that's kind of quite helpful. But yes, you know, if you've got a, I don't know, a pink logo on a red background or whatever, can everybody even see that? Can anyone, you know, perceive it? It's, it's all worth thinking about and, uh, and making sure that you're, you're doing as much as you can to make it as accessible as possible. And again, that falls into the whole, I know I keep talking about Cambridge and, and startups and scale-ups, but that's because that's where I've done a lot of work. Um, lots of businesses might say, well, we just don't have the budget for that technology. We just don't have the, the budget for a, you know, an internal comms function to do that. It's fine. Let's see what you can do within, within the, the means that you have. There'll always be something that you can do for free or for not very much more than you're already paying. Um, so yeah, don't get bogged down and think, God, this is going to be a massive investment. You're you're doing the best you can. That's that's the the most important thing. Yeah, I, I would I would actually add to that and say nine times out of ten, if you are taking the time to sit down and think about the yes. impact of accessibility, firstly, you're probably way ahead of your way ahead. to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. secondly, even if you can't do all the bells and whistles, yeah, there will absolutely be things you can do. Um, and you will know kind of where you are on the pathway to getting to the bells and whistles. Um, You you know, what is it that is required for now? How can we make this as inclusive as possible, given where we are right now? Um, Yeah, yeah, and the sheer act of having that conversation up front means you're more likely to uncover maybe needs within, you know, your current, even if it's only a small team, within the current team where people can say, oh, do you know what would be really helpful if rather than having a white background on a document we could make it slightly off-white yeah okay yeah that we can do for free wonderful yes, exactly yeah this is not rocket science absolutely yeah and even yeah. if you think it's going to be a massive journey as well you know thinking about some of these some of the big 
excuse me, some of the bigger businesses that you know have been around a long time and might feel like, oh gosh, well we we don't think we're doing it right, but it's going to be like turning a battleship to make any any change. Fine, let's just start the turn. Let's just let's yeah. do the first bit. You know, okay, it might not happen this year. It might not happen in five years, but let's just start nudging that yeah. needle. It's one degree of change is still a course correction, right? There you go. Yeah, there you go. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And actually, I think that's a really interesting point there around, you know, there's no point um, if I am someone that I have a very small team of, say, maybe three employees comparing myself to, well, what's Unilever doing? <laughs> you know, yeah. Who have got an army of 50 people already in one country just looking at inclusion. Yes. Then, yeah. you know, yeah, maybe that's not... <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's not the comparison that you want to hold yourself up to. Like, by all means, be inspired by what they're doing. Yes. Um, but actually, yeah, what is it that's appropriate for you? And then I guess that comes back to, isn't it, to understanding, well, who are we? Mm. Who do we want to be? How do we want people to view us? Because if you if you are in your very small team and you want people to look at you like your Unilever, you might want to readjust those expectations a little bit, mightn't you? Absolutely, absolutely. And again, you know, not everybody's brain is the same as mine. Not everybody thinks the same way as I do. Not not the same things don't appeal to everybody. I think that's yeah. a really key, you know, almost keep that front and center that it's, it's probably only you in that room who thinks and feels that way. Everybody else has probably got a completely different take on it. Absolutely. And actually, if we if we reflect that back to um, whether it's kind of employing people to come join your business or to finding clients, nobody just opens their front door and shouts out for the first person that walks past to say, do you yeah. want to come and join my team? Oh, you, yeah. you can be my client. Like, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. We, no. we, we have to understand who we are and position ourselves and people want, you know, we need them to want to come and join us. Yes. And don't don't shy away from it. If you think you're the kind of quirky, crazy, noisy one in the corner, don't don't hide that because someone out there really wants the quirky, noisy one in the corner. (laughs) That's somebody out there will be the right fit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's knowing that and connecting that. And I know what I'm kind of feeling is that unashamedly leaning in to the environment we're creating that is right. But for attracting the type of people that want to work with the type of business that we are albeit however large that business might be but without having additional barriers that would stop anyone that is attracted to working for us for who we are so making sure we're not actively putting hurdles and obstacles in their path of getting to us absolutely yeah make it as easy as you possibly can you know you don't you don't want any barriers in any any of your processes really because it it, it can just switch people off yeah just instantly Totally. And like we said before, we see it, don't we? When you're someone who's impacted by certain things, immediately they see those obstacles, they see those barriers, or they see the inauthenticity, and we we self-select out. Yes. And, that, you know, it's, it's almost better not to try than, than make a hash of it. Like, or not, not, not to try. You should try. But, you know, and, and don't do a half-assed job because mm. it'll be seen through in seconds. Yeah. And that'll be, that'll be worse. Yeah. And then it'll be like, oh, you know, they they were trying, but they just missed by a country mile. It's just like, yeah, no. do the work. Yeah, yeah. And it's not easy work to do alone. So if people want to reach out and connect with you and find out a little bit more information about how maybe in the context of their business or their work, what your yeah. thoughts are, how can people connect with you if they want to know more from you? Oh, probably just listen. They'll probably be able to hear me by booming voice from uh, all around. No, um. I'm on LinkedIn, Anna Wills. Uh, Communigage is the name of the business. Um, there's a website. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, probably, probably the best way, really. 
fantastic so all of the socials community gauge and anna wills and then i'll make sure i put all the links in the show notes as well so people can come and find you and then what's your website where can people find you there uh communicage.com communicage.com yeah communicage wonderful Anna Wills, is there anything that you wanted to say that you have not yet been given the opportunity to say? Uh, there's that thing that escaped me randomly in the middle, but uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to come back. So no, I'll just I'll oh, keep that. Well, when it does, there. let me know. That can be the <laughs> Easter egg. We'll pop in the show notes right at the bottom for eagle-eyed yeah. people. Um, or we'll pop it on as a bit of a bonus a bonus content yeah. somewhere. <laughs> a blooper reel. Anna, yeah, yeah, we'll wait we're talking one. about. <laughs> fantastic Anna Wills thank you so much for joining me today and talking about um, branding through inclusion or inclusion through branding I should probably say um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me